The following is a hoop ball presentation. Welcome to the Fantasy NBA Today podcast. I'll tell you what, folks. During the season, actually making it through to the weekend is kind of an accomplishment. Doesn't feel that way in the offseason. We get to Friday and it's like, well, what the hell did we cover? Now it's very much the opposite of that. We have very important team-defining moments seemingly every single day. And so when you get to this little, for me at least, as, as a podcaster, and obviously we'll keep doing stuff over the weekend on the, this, the social media, uh, there is a little bit of a moment of relief where you're kind of like, okay, deep breath, get ourselves reset, we'll do it again. Welcome to the show. This is Fantasy NBA Today, a hoop ball presentation. Hoop-ball.com is the website. Go there now. Check out the premium game time membership. Game time premium. Click on the premium tab at the top. Choose. You can preview. Actually, preview game time premium. That's a good one to click. You So you can see all the good stuff that is in it. You know me. I'm always going to push you guys towards the live shows where you can ask real fantasy analysts questions about your own specific team. It's incredible access. It's wonderful, amazing access. You have to check it out. Uh, that is the Game Time Premium Membership. If you need a coupon code, we gave them out all s- through the offseason. Uh, we may need to do a new one because it's November. Maybe I'll come up with something new. I don't know. I'm thinking about it. I'm thinking about it. Maybe I'll do something later in the show. I am Dan Bespris, D-A-N-B-E-S-B-R-I-S. Please do check me out on Twitter. We have so many things happening there every day. Question and answer stuff. You guys have been throwing me really good questions. Some weird ones. Lots of really good ones. Uh, We got our tweet storms at the end of every night. We've got our what to watch fors. We got our betting leans. There is a lot going on on social media, so please do follow me there at D-A-N-B-E-S-B-R-I-S. And as always, this show is brought to you by our buddies at Hawaiian Isles Kona Coffee Company. H-I Kona Coffee on Twitter. HawaiianIsles.com, or just search for Hawaiian Isles Kona Coffee on Amazon.com. It's Friday, which means, and I really liked actually what we did on last Friday's show, and obviously it will, it'll change up on the weeks where we have Brewski for the weekend, uh, but when we don't, I really enjoyed what we did last week, which was kind of a week in review, as opposed to just breaking down the short Thursday card, which is frankly, not that interesting. There were a couple of games last night, and they were fine, and we learned, you know, a little tidbit here and there. But prepping ourselves for the weekend by checking out everything that's happened, all the big stories, where you've sort of settled with your roster, and then what we're going to be looking at in the games that are happening Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, so you kind of know you can set yourself up position-wise for what you're going to do through the weekend. And then we get to Monday and we can reverse chronological lightning around the weekend that we prepped for. So it's almost like we're taking this Friday show and we're treating it as though there will be a show tomorrow. We're jamming three days worth of games into one day of prep. Now we will still cover Thursday. We're going to dodge that all together. I just don't think it should be the, you know, the feature point of a Friday podcast. It's part of it, but it's not the whole thing. So let's jump into that. Let's knock that out of the way quickly. We'll break down the three games from Thursday. Anything else, obviously, that popped into my head while looking through those contests. 
and then we'll turn our attention to the big stories of the week and getting us ready for the weekend. To me, those are the more important aspects. Miami was in Atlanta. Uh, John Collins tweaked an ankle in this ballgame. He ended up playing through it, but the question, of course, is how does that swell up overnight? So they just keep running into issues so far. Atlanta's, that's tough, man. When you lose your the guy that, the engine, because they don't have another guy that can do anything with this team. They, they really, they sort of unloaded everything besides Trey Young in terms of actual creation. And so then yesterday in this one, they ended up having to rely uh, on Cam Reddish to initiate the offense, and he shot a blistering two for 11 from the field. DeAndre Bembry actually ended up doing a wonderful job initiating the offense, but he has some huge gaps in his fantasy game, namely his percentages. And yeah, I know he shot eight for 12 yesterday, but generally his percentages are both horrendous. He also turned the ball over a bunch of times. It blew a massive hole. If you looked at his line and saw 18, 10, 8, and 2 steals, you'd think, great. Uh, but actually, on a night of only three games, he was the he was very middle of the pack. Honestly, you know, Miami had five guys on that team that had better performances in nine cat than Bembry because going two for six at the free throw line and committing four turnovers, that's bad. That hurts you more than 10 rebounds helps. Hurts you more than 18 points helps. The eight assists probably help more than the four turnovers, but very few things hurt as much as the missing four free throws part of his night. That blew a hole in your game. So... No, I don't think I'm racing out to pick him up. Obviously, he's a guy who we've been kind of watching for a year and change now because he does have that big defensive stat profile, but he just has these big issues that often get overlooked in fantasy. I'm going to end up on one of my rants here. I just know it. Uh, I'm trying my best to avoid said rant. People really excuse fantasy issues. Justice Winslow is actually a really interesting example of that. And I know he's actually been pretty good so far this year and and kind of hanging around where uh, a usable number, but he's been excused for his fantasy malfeasances for uh, way too long, in my estimate. And he's just an example. I don't. This is not meant to pick on Justice Winslow. He to me is just a shimmering example of how people overlook the negatives in players if they have some stuff on the positive side that seems like it should outweigh it, but it doesn't, people. Here's the thing. Justice Winslow right now is averaging 15 points, 8.5 rebounds, 6 assists, 1.3 steals, 0.8 blocks, and 0.83 pointers. If I just told you those numbers, you would say to me, Dan, you have found a top 50 fantasy asset right? 15, almost 9 and 6, 2.1 combined defensive stats and about a three-pointer a game, which is not on the high side for the three balls, but it's acceptable. What I didn't tell you is that this is 9-cat and not 6. He's shooting 37.7% from the field, 58.8% from the free throw line, and three and a half turnovers per game. He is outside the top 150, Mind-boggling stuff, right? I mean, this is why this is part of the the nuances of 9-cat and Roto in particular. You know, in head-to-head, if he has a bad shooting week, yeah, it hurts you, but, you know, you, you sort of dig deep and you hope that one of your other guys had a really big shooting week and it evened out on that one. But in Roto, that's all going into a bucket. All those misses 
and all those giveaways are going into a bucket. There is nothing he's doing right now on the offensive side that's making up for the issues he's presented to your fantasy team. And he's not alone. He's just an example of it because he's bad in all three of the categories that I think are the most overlooked in fantasy. There are guys that have those same problems that are up near the top of the charts. Uh, Luka Doncic is hurting you in all three of those categories. Now, he's obviously so good in the other ones that it outweighs it. That's a difference between Luka Doncic and Justice Winslow. If Luka didn't have those shortcomings, he'd be an easy first-rounder. But he does. And these guys are littered across the map where we overlook the categories that we don't care as much about in favor of the ones that we do. And it's a small sample size right now, so it's tough to just grab names out of a hat and talk about these guys like they're doing this to your team long-term. The reason I picked out Justice Winslow is because he has done that long-term. Actually, Dennis Schroeder is an example right now, although he's generally better at the free-throw line than he has been so far this year, so I don't know that we can really put that one into that same category. He doesn't hurt you at the foul line. Winslow does. You know, Chris Paul... He's been bad at the free throw line so far this year. Generally, he's much better than that. So these are guys. Uh, Torian Prince, actually. There you go. He's one for this year right now. Torian's been bad in both percentages, and people just sort of don't care. Uh, his are obscenely low. Those will level off. And same with Justice Winslow. His field goal and free throw will probably both come up this year. The point I'm trying to make is not to pick on four or five individual players. It's to point out the fact that far too often... De'Aaron Fox, by the way, is another one that's been that way. Karis LeVert's been that way so far this year. There's plenty of examples you can find. If you Julius Randle, some of these guys are obviously going to be better than they are right now. Plenty of examples of guys that fall into that category. Uh, trying to move away from my weird independent rant here, which is we often overlook the negative categories in favor of the positive ones, even though these guys are actually a net negative on your fantasy team. Looping it all the way around to the original point of this absurd tangential thought stream, DeAndre Bembry probably doesn't belong on your team because he has those same issues. And no, I'm not picking up Jabari Parker. They needed his scoring. If Trey Young is back in the next one or the one after that, then this whole thing gets, this whole deck gets reshuffled. Uh, Miami side, we're continuing to figure out what's going on uh, with their guard rotations now that Jimmy Butler is back. Well, in this one, Butler went full pass mode. He had a very low usage rate. Had only five points, missed most of his shots, but had nine rebounds, 11 assists, six steals, and three blocks. Whoa. Okay, Jimmy, welcome back. Uh, but of course, that left plenty of shots on the table for guys like Kendrick Nunn, who scored 28 points on 15 shots. That is not sustainable, but uh, getting a lot of shots apparently is right now. Four three-pointers, two steals, he made all of his free throws. Uh, I would love to see more in the other departments, but again, this was facilitator Butler in this ballgame, so no assist for Kendrick Nunn. Uh, Tyler Harrow had 17-4-3 off the bench, a little bit more of a well-rounded performance, not at quite a high a clip, but he took 16 shots, which led the team. Goran Dragic, on the other hand, had an off game, and so he got to sit this one out for the most part. He only played 19 minutes. This is actually what makes me a tiny bit nervous. You're obviously holding on to all three of those guys after that game. Dragic with the bad one. Uh, Harrow with the good one. Nunn with the good one. None of those guys get sent to the waiver wire after one good or one bad game. It feels, though, like not all three of them can be successful on the same night. That's what makes me nervous. 
That's what makes this feel more like a... Not that any of those guys are not going to maintain top 100 fantasy value. They all really could. Although I think... Uh, I believe Dragic is actually outside the top 100 because he doesn't get any defensive stats so far. Yeah, he's had no defensive stats and he's hurting you in both percentages as well. But, you know, 16, 3, and 4. That's that same thing where you're kind of overlooking it. He's the first one to go, unquestionably, because he's old... His game has faded a bit. Yes, he's scoring, but he doesn't do enough in the other departments. None has been very good. He's sitting inside the top 25. That almost definitely will not hold for the entire season. Tyler Harrow is at 124. So he's right on the cusp of it, and his stuff generally is because of the percentages as well. But we don't really know where his are going to level off. So we try to make these educated guesses and assumptions about these guys. What I'm thinking is that in this ballgame, let's say Goran Dragic got hot, someone was probably going to have to suffer on the guard side, and it was probably going to be either Harrow or none. One of these guys was going to lose four or five shots if Dragic takes his normal 10 to 13 instead of only five. It's not coming from Jimmy Butler. He's going to take whatever number of shots he decides he wants to on any given night. And then the other shots generally went to the forwards and the big men. So, in this round-robin world, right now, the reason that Kendrick Nunn is ranked so far out in front of these other dudes, in addition to obviously playing well, is that he's shooting 52% and he hasn't missed a free throw this year. If he's putting up these current numbers with poor percentages, his numbers obviously drop precipitously. This is part of this small sample size. He does seem like the guy who has the easiest path to value going forward because he's continuing to start... So he has the quickest access to minutes, and he's going to be on the floor with guys who can pass, which you can't necessarily say for the second unit, although, you know, they've got Goran Dragic. He's just, he's never been a terrific pass first point guard. Adebayo, very good passing big man. Jimmy Butler, good passing wing as he orchestrates the offense. So Kendrick Nunn is a guy I think you could probably still look to sell high on because he's not going to be a top 25 dude all year. Uh, Tyler Harrow, who's sitting outside the top 100, I don't think anybody would believe it if... Unless I had said it, it's right there in the rankings. He's looked pretty good so far this season, but there are some spots in his fantasy game that you're looking at and you're thinking, okay, can this can this improve? Maybe. You know, the free throw shooting? Maybe. So what do we do? That's the question. I think we've broken down how we got to this point. And, uh, well, here's what I'm thinking is about to take place. I think you're going to see these guys... And I don't know exactly what the ratio is going to be, but it might be like two good games, one bad one, or one good game, then two bad ones, or it might just alternate good game, bad game. Because they're just, there sort of isn't enough for all three of them every night. So then you get into the, well, which guys are going to have more bad games than good games? I think I would venture to say Goran Dragic, since he's coming off the bench, probably going to be tough for him to maintain more good than bad. He can probably be dropped. I know you guys are going to think this is nuts, but there are guys out there that are just going to be better in 9-cat than him. Tyler Harrell would be the next one, but I think you're holding on to him in the hopes that his percentages maybe could be better. I don't know that they will be. We don't have the book on this guy because this is his first NBA season. And then with Kendrick Nunn, you know damn well he's going to slow down from where he's at right now. He's a sell high, but I don't know what you could get for him, honestly, because he just hasn't been doing it that long. But listen, people are going to be all buzzed up about him, so see what you can see what you can get. I don't think he's finishing inside the top 50 this year. I don't think that's happening. He's, there's going to be a fade here. It's going to be 
uh, pretty hard. He's taking a lot of his shots from outside. The the 52% just isn't going to hold all season long. As good as he may be, that just won't. So we have to be pragmatic about it. So he's a sell high. Harrow, I think, is a sell high, too, even though his rank isn't that high. But people are really, really jazzed up about him. And he's playing well, to his credit. Uh, and then Goran Dragic is, if you can get anything for him, I think I would, because I, I, I don't see him getting inside the top 125 this season. Another name on that Miami side that I thought was kind of interesting, and, and a lot of these names, by the way, are going to appear in our sort of weekend review session a little bit later in the podcast, is Myers Leonard, who uh, I forget who asked me on Twitter if he was a pickup. The answer to that is no, he's not a pickup, but he did have a really nice game. Played 25 minutes, 16 points, 8 boards, 2 blocks, 3 three-pointers. There is a weird world where he could step in and be Kelly Olynyk. The problem is... There are only 48 center minutes. Those two guys almost split them right down the pipe or power forward, depending on what you're talking about with Bam Adebayo being on the floor for 36 minutes as well. Uh, I don't know that there's enough available minutes for Myers Leonard to do his stuff. Thing is, he really does have a great fantasy game. I mean, this is like five years ago running the Myers Leonard thing. Uh, he's number one 14 this year in 21 minutes a game he's averaging six and six with a block and one and a half three-pointers he was one of the best three-point shooters in the league last season so it doesn't take a ton for Myers Leonard to cross over into that threshold where he should be on a basketball team all I'm saying is this one game was very much that one game where he scored in double figures but he has the game he has the fantasy game to warrant being sort of permanently on a watch list. And you can always go back and you can find those weird little pockets where he had a little more opportunity and everything was golden. Uh, last game of the regular season last year against Sacramento when Portland benched everybody. Leonard played 42 minutes at 19 and 11. Uh, looking through the middle of the season, when other centers were down, he played, you know, there was a game where he had 25 minutes and had 16 and 6. He rebounds well. He shoots the three ball well. He'll walk into a couple of defensive stats every once in a while. The problem is he just has never been consistent in his career. We, I mean, I'm telling you things you already know. Uh, but if suddenly he lands in a place that's going to play him 25 minutes every night, then he's probably a top 100 guy. Top 115? So if you're looking for a big man that can space the floor but doesn't actually shoot the ball horribly, get him on your watch list. Craziest thing that Dan said all year is no longer Tristan Thompson is a must-own, must-start guy. The craziest thing Dan has said all year is Myers Leonard should be on your watch list. Don't pick him up yet, though. Come on, that's one good game. He just has a fantasy-friendly nine-cat game. Don't pick him up yet. Please don't pick him up yet. Uh, Denver at New Orleans, the Nuggets have not been as good as the their early season not-that-awful record may indicate. They have some issues. I figured they would have some issues this year. I have tried to push the under on all of you guys, and I don't know if you followed me on that one. We'll, well, I mean, we'll see. Obviously, there's a long way to go before that one either cashes or doesn't. My thought with this team was they proved themselves during the regular season last year. You remember this explanation from the offseason? I told you guys, listen... The Nuggets are now looking at the playoffs. They're looking at the playoffs. They want to make that next leap, and the next leap is not to prove that they can get a decent playoff seed in the West. They showed last year they can play defense. 
They showed last year they could put together a good offense. This regular season, for a team like the Nugs, who advanced you know, a couple rounds in the playoffs last year and finally sort of took that big jump forward, this season was never, hey, let's show the world we belong during the regular season. That was last year. This season is, let's get through the regular season, get into the playoffs, and let's make more noise there. We want to be healthy. We want our, our key guys to be ready to go. We need to... I mean, honestly, they need another superstar, and it's probably going to have to come from within. But whatever they believe is more important there. They may believe, look, we're ready to go. We just need to be healthy. So this is a team that, despite their consistency, I thought all of the emotional stuff pointed to a down regular season. And we're seeing a little bit of that sluggishness out of the gate. Presumably, they'll wake up, I don't know, a few weeks, a couple weeks, more or less. Uh, so anyway, they lost in New Orleans last night. It was not a good game. Jokic has looked slow and kind of disinterested so far. Jeremy Grant took more of the power forward minutes, and Paul Millsap uh, faded into the distance. Those two guys are splitting the power forward minutes, and I actually think both of them are drops in a 12-team league. Jamal Murray needs to play better. Gary Harris needs to play better, although he seems to have the path to the shooting guard minutes so far, or the small forward. I don't know what position they'd want to say these guys were playing. Whatever it is, he probably is a hold. I can't stand his game so far. He just he doesn't look like himself in you know two years now. I'm okay if you want to drop him. I wouldn't drop him, but I'm okay if you would because he's really frustrating, uh, even though he's actually getting the lion's share of the minutes. And then uh, no Will Barton in this one, so the thought was maybe someone else on the wing could actually step up and do something. Torrey Craig got the start, and he didn't do anything. Malik Beasley came off the bench, and he did a little stuff. But And then it was a blowout loss, so the bench saw a few more minutes. Jokic, Murray, those are the guys you obviously have to have and have to start. Gary Harris probably is the next tier down. And then I don't think I'm even considering anyone beyond that because everybody else is in a constant timeshare. On the New Orleans side, Drew Holiday came back, played well, and they got a win. So there, that one-to-one correlation. Jaleel Okafor played 34 minutes at center, which rendered Jackson Hayes useless. He was a guy that was kind of, we are watching him a little bit. Uh, Jaleel Okafor is on your watch list as well. He could very easily test, disappear in their next ball game. They needed him. They needed a big, 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 big to actually bang with Jokic in this one. If they play a team that goes small, he won't play at all the next time around. Uh, check out Denver's schedule. If you'd like to know who they're playing next, and you can probably make your educated guess. The Magic. All right, so there's going to be a Vooch out there. So you might see Okafor. And then they play the Heat, uh, who can go small, and Adebayo can you know, run a high post thing. So you might not see him there. And then they've got Embiid and the Sixers, and unless he's still suspended for that one. I don't know how many games between now and then on the Philly side. Uh, so you might see Jaw in that one. Or you might see Derek Favors back. I don't know. Either way, I'm not picking him up. Brandon Ingram played uh, well enough. He was pretty good. Lonzo Ball was decent. Josh Hart faded. He still played 27 minutes, but he faded. And J.J. Redick only played 17 minutes. If this is the start of something for Redick where he's not seeing even remotely close to starters minutes, not only is he a drop at that point, but he might ask off this team. I I can't imagine that a veteran like Redick came to this club to play 17 minutes off the bench. Not when, there, not when there were so many teams out there that would have gladly paid for his services, give him 24 to 27 minutes a night and said, here, knock down a boatload of threes when our guys get you open. 
Now, there's obviously a lot of time between now and, and a trade demand, but if this is something that happens a few more times, I could see him starting to get frustrated even early in the year. Frank Jackson got hot. That was part of why Reddick didn't play as much. Uh, Jackson had 21 points in 19 minutes. You know, it was a good game for some of these guys. Um, you're not dropping Reddick yet, but I get it. It's frustrating. Put him on your bench. Let's watch him for another two or three games. If he doesn't get any playing time, then yeah, you can probably cut him. Well, this Thursday recap took longer than I expected. San Antonio and the Clippers, Derek White got hot. 20 points in 25 minutes, which if he could actually get that every night, he would definitely belong on your fantasy team, but he won't. He's going to be very good tonight, Friday night, because DeJounte Murray is resting on the uh, back end of a back-to-back -back here. So there are going to be these games mixed in where Derek White is worth deploying. Uh, good luck to you if you can try to figure out what those are. You know, he's been very good in their last two games in a row. I don't know if... There's too much flip-flopping, man. There's too much flipping and flopping with these point guards. Listen, I have strong thoughts on the Derek White to Jante Murray thing. Strong thought number one is figure out how to get these dudes on the floor at the same time. Figure it out. They're too good to not be on the floor. It's They're too good for us to be staring down this like weird Bryn Forbes, Patty Mills shooting guard thing. I know Bryn Forbes has actually played pretty well so far this year, and he deserves to be held as long as this continues to be the case. The reality of this situation is that he's playing shooting guard, and Derek White and Jonte Murray are splitting the point guard minutes. That's the reality. The reality upsets me. But we have to do, we have to make our decisions based on what's actually happening, not what we want to happen. And what's actually happening is that the 48 minutes at point guard are being split almost right down the middle between White and Murray. White's on extra 50 seconds over the 24-minute mark, so Murray saw 50 seconds under the 24-minute mark last night. They both put up useful fantasy lines. Obviously, Derek White, uh, he got hot and kind of kept the team in it with DeMar DeRozan, so he saw the extra minute. <laughs> uh, but overall, it becomes very hard to trust any of these guys. Then you might ask yourself, oh my God, is Dan saying to drop these guys? Actually, with Derek White, the answer might be yes. Because here's the thing. We've also been told that over the next two to three weeks, DeJounte Murray's minutes cap is going to be lifted, not entirely, but raised maybe is a better word to use, over his 24-minute-ish cap right now. And then suddenly you're looking at 25, 26, 27. Does he go higher? Is it another few games, and then he gets to 28 or 29? And if they're really just splitting the point guard minutes at that point, then you're looking at Derek White in that 20-minute mark, and that's just not enough. So, yeah, he's super hot right now. I would sell Derek White as fast as you can while he's number 75 after he's had two really big games in, in limited minutes, by the way, 24-ish minutes in both of those games. His fantasy game is very 9-cat friendly, but it also doesn't pan out in only 24 minutes a night. There needs to be a way for San Antonio to get him on the floor longer, and if you're willing to sit on him for a while then do it. Put him on your bench, because if you start him, you know he's going to come out with one of those clunkers, and as soon as you bench him, he's going to come out with one of those heaters, and except for tonight. 
you know, if you want to use him on a back-to-back when you know Murray's resting, then absolutely roll him out there. But otherwise, he's a guy you have to bench until they figure out how to get him on the floor for more than just point guard minutes. Especially because Murray doesn't shoot the three at all. So like Derek White, he could actually maybe space the floor a little bit. But that's why they really want these other guys out there. They want to make sure that whoever's next to Murray is a dead-eye three-point shooter. And for Derek White, it's a little bit more of a kind of hot and cold thing out there. And then the Clippers, luckily, we don't have to talk about them at all. Kawhi played, and he did everything. 38-12, four steals, two threes. Uh, Hello, early first-round value. In roto formats, where I have him in a few spots, I am feeling great so far. I don't care that he missed one game. He's actually ranked number one by totals. Clippers have had an actually a pretty heavy schedule here in the early going, so uh, that'll do the trick. He's number five on a per-game basis so far. And by the way... I don't think that that's something that will change all that much. I think he's going to finish this year potentially ahead of Giannis on per game in nine cat. There's a very real chance that he's ahead of Giannis in nine cat. Now, obviously, there are other guys up there that don't belong. Brandon Ingram, number eight. Malcolm Brogdon, number six. DeAndre Ayton, number three. That was one game before he got suspended. Uh, But Kawhi Leonard inside the top five is not crazy. He's shooting 50.5%, 87 at the free throw line, 2.2 steal. I mean, he's just been brilliant. Uh, And if he plays 68 whatever games and you drafted him around number 12, he's probably going to beat that mark. So enjoy it. Uh, In Roto, I don't think I would trade him. I think I'd just ride it. He's too good. Last day of the week. We got to tell you about Manscaped. Got to do it. You want to hear it. You got to do it. Listen, here's what I want you to do. If you're going to fast forward through this advertisement, do me one favor and go to manscaped.com while you're fast forwarding. Please, I beg of you, just check them out. See what they have to offer. Check out uh, their, their fantastic product, the Lawnmower 2.0, which is an upgrade on the original. They had one called the Lawnmower. They didn't just start with 2.0. It trims at 6,000 strokes per minute, so it's super fast up from 4,000 on the previous iteration. The battery life lasts 60 minutes. It's rechargeable, so you can use it basically forever. The trimming head is now replaceable and waterproof. So you can take the trimming head off. You can wash that bad boy, uh, which you should, because this is an advertisement about hygiene. So, you know, maybe wash the thing that you're using for it. You got to try it out. I mean, just even if you just hold it in your hand and look at it, you can tell it's a high-quality product. It's not one of those cheapo things that you get at the, the checkout counter at CVS where you're like, oh, geez, I need this $15 thing. It's not. It's good. It's good product. Too many times in our lives, we cut corners and we spend a couple dollars less than we should on something that actually is a big part of our existence. And for this one, specialty grooming is a huge deal. You're not Borat. This is 2019. Go to manscaped.com. The promo code you should use when you're there is HOOPBALL. H-O-O-P-B-A-L-L. Get 20% off your order and free shipping. And again, just check it out. And on top of all that stuff, by the way, they're working, and I mentioned this on all four other shows this week, they're working with the Testicular Cancer Society to raise awareness about the most common form of cancer in men aged 15 to 35. Young men. I'm actually not in that window anymore. That's upsetting. Uh, well, maybe it's not the most common for me. No, there's no silver lining with this one. Uh, but Manscaped is working to provide help, support, 
and care to the fighters, the survivors, the caregivers of folks that are dealing with uh, testicular cancer. So they're doing good things. They're putting out a great product. They've got all these other uh, like oils and scents and stuff like that. And you can check those out too. But I really think you ought to look uh, at the actual trimming products. Go get one. Save 20% with HoopBall, the promo code HoopBall. Get free shipping on your order. Uh, they sent me all these cool goodies. I kind of feel like maybe I should take some pictures and and uh, of the products. Of the products, people, let's not get crazy. Um, anyway, check that out. Go get some stuff. It'll be great for us. It'll be great for Manscaped. It'll be great for you because you'll finally look good uh, when you're standing in a mirror. <laughs> I'm sure you look lovely right now. Um, the stories of the week. That's the next thing on the docket here. Big stories of the week. And we'll go through this at a decent clip because I think we covered a lot of this actually in our Thursday breakdown. But what I did on last Friday's show, and I want to do it again in this one, pickups, drops, holds, and watch list guys that have emerged over the last uh, four or five days, basically. It's kind of a, it's a weekend review. I want to do the pickup list first. Uh, because I think we've actually talked about a lot of these guys, and, and, and there weren't really any that popped up on last night's slate. So we've mentioned at least all of... We've mentioned these guys at least one time on the show already, and probably more than that. But here's the list, and it's in no particular order. This is just me working through games chronologically. Uh, Daniel House over on Houston, who we had as a pickup about two or three games ago, but just sort of making sure that you guys haven't missed that call to action. He's been very good. His role seems pretty damn secure. He's number 47, which is not going to hold all season long because uh, he's not going to hit three three-pointers a night. But he and P.J. Tucker are just these brilliant nine-cat guys filling in things around Capella, Westbrook, and Harden. They're going to have tons of open looks. There's always going to be someone on the floor to get them open looks. I actually think Russell Westbrook helps these guys. He passes more than James Harden does. People don't realize that. Harden is a much more uh, shoot-first scoring guy, and Westbrook is a little bit more split down the middle because he knows his mid-range game is not that great. If he can get to the rim, Westbrook's going to go. If he can't get to the whim, rim, he's going to try to draw traffic and get it to one of these guys. And so House and Tucker, anyway, you guys get the idea. He should be on your team. He's not going to be top 50 all season long, but he could very easily be top 90, and that's the guy that should be on your club. This is my favorite pickup. Uh, maybe of the season so far, and that's Isaiah Thomas. And I think we actually had that pretty early on this show as well. Listen, I'm going to knock myself on some of these later in the list, but these are ones where I got to give myself a pat on the back. Daniel House we had before other people. Isaiah Thomas we had before other people as well. He was an obvious flyer to take because, you know, as his minutes cap moves up, it's looking more and more like he's going to have the green light. He's number 71 in his two games on a per-game basis by averages in only 22 minutes a game. Field goal percent is going to come down, but he's a brilliant free-throw shooter. He's a brilliant scorer, threes, assists. Those are all on the table for you, and this is a guy that was probably on your waiver wire when the season began. His ownership is still only at 49%, even after those two big games. So if he's still, st- if he's still out there, you got to go get him. But if you're listening to this podcast, you got him a week ago. Uh, Devontae Graham, we were a little bit late on this one. Um, I think I probably waited one game too long. Folks picked him up, and wisely so, picked him up after that second big game. He had 12 three-pointers in his first two games of the year, and I thought, no way this continues. But the minutes did. So even though the three-pointers, he's, you know, he's down, he's hitting whatever it is, like one and change over his last three games, and he has no steals, 
He's averaging huge assist numbers. He's touching the ball repeatedly. You heard it probably if you listen to our Real Big Three podcast. Jonas Nader had some great stats on it. Uh, and he's playing 30 minutes a game alongside Terry Rozier. When he's out there, he's basically the point guard, and Rozier kind of shifts to the two. So I went to pick him up after his third uh, or fourth game, and he should have been picked up after his first or second game. So I missed him in a lot of spots, and hopefully you guys moved a little faster on that one than I did. Uh, Rashawn Holmes, I mean, this is an obvious one. You guys don't need to hear it from us here at Hoop Ball. He's number 86 right now after three bad games and two massive ones. The Kings love him. The Kings fans love him. He is going to be a beast and probably all season long. I am not worried anymore about the return of Marvin Bagley. Yes, it's going to cut into Holmes' minutes. He's not going to play 35 a game when Bagley's back. But he's almost definitely carved himself out 20 to 25 minutes a night. Must own, must start, probably the rest of the year. Nemanja Bialica is actually kind of on the other side of that same discussion. He is a must-start guy until Bagley returns, and then all those power forward minutes go poof, and he goes back to playing 20 minutes a night where he's not good enough to be rostered. But when he gets up into the high 20s, low 30s, his game is versatile enough, even though he looks like a, a tire on legs running around out there, that he deserves to be on your fantasy team. He'll hit threes, he'll get you steals and blocks. He's not going to score much, but he'll grab you some rebounds, a couple of assists. He just does a whole bunch of things all the way across the board. And if you need to remember how this worked, just look at the first month of last season. Go back to the 2018-19 campaign and look at Bielitz's game log where he was putting up, you know, 11 points and 8 rebounds and 2 steals and a block and 2 three-pointers and all this good stuff. He had a stretch, actually, at the end of October where he scored in double figures in 7 consecutive games. He had double-digit rebounds in 2 of those games, and he had a steal and a block in 4 of those 7, and he had a steal or a block in 5 of those 7 before a one-game break, and then he had two more games where he had both steals and blocks. So he does all sorts of stuff, uh, but be aware he's going to go, uh, well, whatever word you want to use as soon as Bagley comes back. So that one's really uh, medium-term. Short-term, in Nerlens Noel, I wanted to put him on this list just to kind of keep an eye on him. If Steven Adams is going to miss any more time, obviously you want to throw Noel into your lineup real quick. Uh, Aaron Baines, this is another one we were a little bit late on on this show. So as early as we are and how have always been with Rashawn Holmes, IT, and Daniel House, uh, we waited a game too long to pick up Aaron Baines. Also, maybe you guys were a little bit more aggressive than I was there, uh, but he looks like the guy to own while DeAndre Ayton is out. I think Dario Saric can be on that list as well, but he was probably already on fantasy teams. Baines was not. You know, he was set to play 10 minutes a night with Ayton healthy, uh, but it looks like he's taken about 20, eh, 15-ish of Aiton's minutes that were left behind. Um, and he's just a very good rebounder. He takes up a lot of space. He's hitting three-pointers. I don't know if that's going to hold for this entire DeAndre absence. But he'll also block a couple of shots because he's just a gigantic human being. So Aaron Baines belongs on your fantasy team. Uh, and I'm not going to be able to get him. I know he's not owned all that much, but he's owned in all of my leagues. Eric Pascal on the Warriors, I think, is a pickup. I don't know that I would start him, though. I mean, he, you know, he's not going to shoot 64% all season long. His non-scoring stats have been very low. He hasn't hit a three-pointer yet this season. He has three steals and two blocks over the entire four games so far. But it does look like the Warriors might slide D'Angelo Russell down and go a little bit smaller, which is creating room for someone like Pascal, who's more of a wing, 
uh, to get himself out on the floor. So he's an ad for me. Um, but again, I, I'm keeping him benched until we see how this next ball game in particular goes tonight against the Spurs. Does he get out there and play huge minutes? He played 38 minutes in that last ball game, and he played 31 in their season opening blowout loss. So there is a path for him to get near 30 minutes while Steph is out. By the way, uh, four to six weeks is probably the best guess on that one. I believe we still don't have anything fully fully official on Steph, which is a huge pain in the butt, but that's what I'm rolling on right now. Uh, and in terms of the other guys on the Warriors, they're they're on a different list, so we'll get to them. Oh, except for Willie Cauley-Stein. I do think he needs to be owned. Kevon Looney's, if, if his thing really is a neuropathy, he might be out for a long time. We don't know, and so I think you have to have Willie Cauley-Stein because unless they go Draymond Green at center for the whole ball game, someone else is going to have to pick up some minutes there. The drops for me, uh, Paul Millsap, Jeremy Grant, we talked about them in that Denver game. Um, I put Derek White on this list, which is a weird thing. I just wanted it to be a talking point. I, I get it if you want to squat on him for a while. All of the point guards in Chicago are drops for me as of this week. Sadoransky, none, uh, not none, excuse me, Sadoransky, Dunn, and Kobe White, they can all be dropped. DeAndre Jordan can be dropped. I don't care he has 17 rebounds. He's playing 23 minutes a game. He doesn't block shots anymore. Christian Wood can be dropped. Dwayne Bacon can be dropped. And I believe Frank Kaminsky can be dropped. He's a guy that we were overlooking, myself included, overlooking his shortcomings when he had a few bigger ball games. But he does nothing defensively. His field goal percent is super low, uh, and he's just not active enough to cover up some of those deficiencies. Your hold list. This is one of my favorites. Uh, none Harro Dragic while we wait for that thing to play out. Gary Harris, I think you can put on your bench. I actually don't care if you drop him. J.J. Redick, who we talked about earlier in the show as well. Bobby Portis is a hold, but he's almost a drop for me. He's not a nine-cat guy. It's points, rebounds, and some threes on not great percentages. That won't do it. Uh, he's another dude, I think, that falls into the category of guys we overvalue because he does score. He's number 80 in nine cats so far. So he definitely belongs on a team averaging eight rebounds a game. Uh, but if not for one gigantic game, he certainly would not be inside the top 100. The thing is with Portis, he's playing enough minutes right now that allows you to keep him on your team. Marcus Morris is kind of the same story for New York at the moment. Uh, he, Portis, they're playing 30 minutes a game. Marcus Morris is shooting 35%. So I do think he probably belongs on a fantasy team. But if he has another bad ball game, he's probably going to get dropped everywhere, and uh, then I would probably scoop him up. I would, because I, I, I think this is about as bad as it gets for him, shooting that incredibly low percentage. Larry Nance needs to be held, guys. I don't know why this question is coming up. He's number 125, but he's playing 25 minutes a game. The steals will come, and then everything will level off for him. That's it. Field goal percent and steals are going to come back up to where they always are. Uh, he'll be a top 100 guy. Otto Porter needs to be held. I know it's been a tough start to the year. I know he's number 200, but you're not dropping him. Eric Bledsoe, same deal. Don't drop him. These guys are too good. Uh, Davis Bertans is on my hold list, but he's actually pretty close to my drop list. And that's weird to say for a guy who's ranked number 43 so far, but he's not going to shoot 57% all season long. He has done nothing besides shoot a crazy high percentage and hit three-pointers. Everything 16 points a game. But his other stuff is three boards, one assist, half a steal, .3 blocks. That's nothing. 
he's not going to shoot 57% all year, not when almost all of his shots are coming from downtown. This is a really interesting stat. He's making 5.3 shots per game. Four of those are three-pointers, so you know those numbers are coming down. He's a very good three-point shooter. You know, he shot 43% from downtown last year, but he's at 55% from downtown this season. So that's not going to hold. He's going to tail off pretty hard. You can ride him while he's white hot, uh, but be aware that he's a guy that could end up on the waiver wire. He could. It's fine right now. It's fine right now, but don't get too attached. Maybe that's a better way to... This He's in the don't get too attached list. Uh, Dario Saric is a hold right now. Dwight Powell is a hold while he ramps back up. I, I tried to give fair warning. It's going to take a couple of weeks for him to get to where they want him to be. Hold on to Maxi Kleba while we see how this whole thing plays out as well. Uh, and JaVale McGee right now is a hold... But, I mean, by the end of this weekend, he could be a drop. Just to, honest to God with you guys, he might be off my team by the end of the weekend. And the watch list. We already talked about Myers Leonard, DeAndre Bembry. Uh, Julio Okafor is on the watch list, but not really. Markel Fultz is on the watch list. I, I think people are getting ahead of themselves with that one. They want to anoint him their starting point guard. As long as Orlando is winning some ball games, they're probably not going to change things up dramatically. And they're 2-2 two and two so far. Won their two home games, lost their two road games. Fultz is going to have up and down stuff going on. Uh, and so I think you kind of, you, you just keep an eye on it. Jordan Clarkson, he's starting to play a little bit better, taking some minutes away from Darius Garland. He's on the watch list. Matisse Thybul is on the watch list. Anthony Tolliver, just while Zach Collins is out. Uh, Glenn Robinson III is on the watch list, and so is Jordan Poole, just in case either one of those guys steps up for the Warriors during Steph Curry's absence. So that's your stories, I believe, of the week in review. Um, hey, a couple of things going on at HoopBall. Number one, we still have the bruise letter. So please do sign up for that. Go to hoop-ball.com slash newsletter, and you can get the exclusive email content from Aaron Brewski. That comes out on Monday mornings, I believe is now the official time slot. Again, hoop-ball.com slash newsletter. All you need to do is type in your email and a first name, you can get yourself on the list. It's totally free, and it's the only place you can get this weekly newsletter from Aaron Bruski. If you want to come and work at HoopBall, be a team journalist. That's what we're looking for right now. Hit me up on Twitter, at Dan Bespris, D-A-N-B-E-S-B-R-I-S. It's an incredible way to get yourself involved from the journalistic standpoint, and you're not going to get many chances like this to learn under the great Aaron Bruski as well. So that, once again, uh, to cover a team at HoopBall, shoot me a note at Dan Bespris. Uh, if you want to get an idea of what that means, by the way, you can check out our team coverage right now. The great Mike Pelache doing work on the Pelicans. Uh, the great Mike Pasador. It's all Mike's. If your name is Mike, maybe you should check it out. Uh, with an article on Anthony Davis from earlier this week, Patrick Patterson article, OG Ananobi is going to be coming out with an article on OG, I should say. Uh, so check those out. Those are all at hoop-ball.com. Uh, and then if you're interested in getting involved, toss me a line. Simple as that. At Dan Bespris. We've gone over this. Check out Game Time Premium again. As long as we're talking about things going on in hoop ball right now. Okay, the weekend. That's our last thing on the docket. I want to get you guys prepped for what's coming. This is sort of our new attack method as we get ourselves situated here on Friday's last segment of the show. Cleveland is at Indiana tonight. There's not much that we're watching in this ballgame. So this is not on the homework assignment. Indiana favored by 7.5 points. Slight lean to the Cavaliers in that one, right? Uh, Indiana hasn't looked very good so far. 
Just saying. Cavaliers have actually not been as terrible as people thought. They have a better record, if you can believe that, than the Pacers to this point in the year. So, uh, consider it. I'm not... Uh, I'm just, i got to watch myself with this stuff because I don't do a ton of betting the first week or two of the season. You look for those spots to kind of pick and choose a little. Um, remember, folks, the Pacers did lose to the Cavs already, so that's a reason to potentially avoid this one. Houston is at Brooklyn. I think we have a pretty good idea of what's going on with these two teams right now as well. Milwaukee in Orlando. You know, we're watching that point guard spot. If you want to bench Eric Bledsoe, by the way, until he looks healthy, I'm okay with that. Maybe give him a week on your bench, but he could really explode at any moment. Orlando happens to be a very good defensive team. So if ever there was a night where you're thinking, eh, maybe you'll let him relax for one, this might be that. Knicks at Celtics. We are watching New York. No Alfred Payton again on this Friday one, so it's going to be Nilakina uh, starting in this one instead of coming off the bench. But, you know, you're watching Mitchell Robinson's minutes, Portis, Morris, stuff like that, R.J. Barron. Um, not a homework assignment game, but certainly something to keep some watch on. Detroit is in Chicago, uh, waiting on an update on Blake Griffin. I don't think he's going to play, but maybe he emerges and actually does, in which case, make sure to follow at Hoopball Fantasy for up-to-the-minute news, uh, breaking stuff if any of these guys pop back into their lineups. If he does, then obviously we, we need to sort of reassess how we feel about different Detroit assets. Chicago, we've talked about. They're a mess right now, and you're dropping all the point guards, and then beyond that, we're just sort of maintaining, uh, and would love to see Otto Porter continue to slowly improve his game. He did play better in his last one. Lakers are in Dallas to take on the Mavericks. Lakers have actually had a really good defense so far this year. We're watching their center spot right now. Kyle Kuzma expected to make his return play 15 to 20 minutes. I would not start him if he's playing only 15 minutes. Put him on your bench. Give him another couple of days to get his legs back underneath him. Dallas side, same deal, Dwight Powell. Don't start him yet until we see these guys actually get up to the minute count that we want them to. You're keeping them on your bench. Utah is in Sacramento. Uh, Kings, it's Rashawn Holmes time, baby. The Mambi Elites, I think, could have an okay game. This will be a tougher one, obviously, with Rudy Gobert on the other side. Mike Conley, does he continue to excel or does he fade back and does the buy-low window crack back open again? San Antonio is in Golden State. We're obviously definitely watching this ballgame. Derek White should have a good one with DeJounte Murray resting. And then for the Warriors, we just want to see who the hell is actually going to play. Will it be Pascal, Glenn Robinson, Jordan Poole, Omari Spellman, Willie Cauley-Stein? Someone is going to have to do something besides D'Angelo Russell and Draymond Green. Of course, if they don't, well, the Warriors will just keep on losing. Saturday's games. New Orleans is in Oklahoma City. Uh, yes, we're watching the minutes for the Pelicans. It's been weird so far in that backcourt. And then, you know... Is Steven Adams going to be part of this thing? If so, you might see Jaleel Okafor again out there. Uh, Oklahoma City, I think we have a pretty good idea of. We talked about Brooklyn and Detroit already. Denver, I'm frustrated with them anyway. Orlando. Toronto is in Milwaukee. Uh, Raptors, that's not a team we're super interested in right now. They've been pretty predictable. Phoenix and Memphis playing on Saturday. That's an interesting one. Probably watch the big man rotation for Phoenix. That's worth checking out. For Memphis... Is Valanciunas going to get up to 24 minutes in this ballgame? Because if so, he's really getting into the meaty part now. This is where he's going to start putting up some numbers. Valanciunas and Aaron Baines, that's a lot of human bashing into one another. Uh, but obviously, that's a reason that Phoenix is going to need Baines on the floor. So this would be a pretty good game for him, I would reckon. Minnesota is at Washington uh, for the Timberwolves. Cat suspended for two games. Same with Joel Embiid in the aftermath of their fight a couple days back. Um... 
So, yeah, I mean, things are going to get ugly for the Wolves. I don't know that you're streaming anybody. For Washington, they scored 157 points. So let's fuck him or whatever that was. Uh, Isaiah Thomas, what is his minutes cap in this one? What is Troy Brown going to do? It, you know, we'll be interested to see how his minutes ramp up over the next little bit. Rui Hachimura, can he do anything besides score and, and grab some rebounds? Davis Bertans, does he cool off? There are a lot of storylines. I'd love to watch that Washington game on Saturday, if possible. Charlotte and the Warriors probably want to watch the Warriors again. I know we talked about them for Friday, but with a back-to-back, they're always worth checking out. Philly, no Embiid, so, you know, more Horford. Do they kind of go a little small? Does Tybu play some more minutes? Uh, at Portland, Portland's been um, a little bit bouncy so far. Damian Lillard's obviously been very good. I like Bays more. Rodney Hood is right at the very end of rosterable to this point in the season, but he's playing a ton of minutes, so uh, I guess you can trot him out there. I just, you know, the, he's over his head in steals right now, and that's where you probably wondering, can this possibly continue? And the answer is maybe. I mean, if he's playing 32 minutes a night, he probably should just sort of stumble into a steal every once in a while. He's always been around 0.8, but he's also been around 25 to 27 minutes, so perhaps the extra five minutes is getting him from 0.8 to about one steal a game. Uh and his other stuff is is relatively sustainable. So he's probably looking at about a top 100 valuation if he's playing this many minutes. And so far, it looks like he will, which is weird, but that's where we're at with that one. And Sunday, to finish off the weekend, six games late, Chicago, Indiana, we've ca- talked about him. Houston, Miami, you know, we're, Miami is something we're definitely keeping a close watch on. Uh, and I think everybody else will have played Saturday uh, Friday or Saturday. So we're uh, we're basically all set on that front. So that's how we prep ourselves over the weekend. By the way, if you want to jump along with us on any of the wagering stuff we've been talking about, um, we only talked about one. Oh, boy, I got to come back to the Friday stuff. Forgot to mention the lines on these games. Houston by four and a half on the road at Brooklyn. Milwaukee by four and a half on the road in Orlando. Boston, 10 and a half point favorites at home to the New York Knicks. Chicago, three and a half point favorites to the Pistons. That one is a super weird line. That feels like a trick, man. How can you bet on the Bulls with as bad as they've been? Almost makes me want to bet on the Bulls. Lakers by a point and a half in Dallas. Uh, Utah by five in Sacramento. This is a revenge game, but Sacramento's been horrible. And then San Antonio, seven-point favorites on the road at Golden State. If you want to bet on any of those games, do it at mybookie.ag, our official online betting partner here at Fantasy NBA Today. They will match your first deposit up to $1,000 when you open your account with promo code TODAY, T-O-D-A-Y, Join us. It's almost time to get into the revenge games. We like to usually let about three to four weeks elapse before we do that. It's been a week and a half now, so we're getting close. The key is with these revenge games, the teams have to have settled in. And right now, a lot of them are still kind of trying to figure out who they are in the early going. You know, like with Indiana, like with Sacramento, the revenge stuff doesn't creep in as much. You know, the Kings are not coming into this game going, ah, Utah beat us up. We've got to show them what's what. They're coming into this game going, we're a mess. How do we figure this out? They're no long, They're not yet focused on the exact opponent as much as they are focused on themselves. And so with the revenge angles, we're waiting until that time of the season where they start to become a bit more focused on who's coming into our building or where are we going as opposed to do we know what the bleep we're doing so far. But that being said, it is on the table. If you want to flip a, a shekel on the Kings, uh, brrr, that's a swallow-your-vomit kind of bet, isn't it, these days? Uh, again, do it at mybookie.ag. They're fantastic. Their customer service has been brilliant. Bet with us. 
Win some money with us at mybookie.ag. Again, that promo code is the word today, T-O-D-A-Y website, mybookie. That's pretty easy to spell, M-Y-B-O-O-K-I-E dot A-G. If you type in mybookie.com, it doesn't matter. It will forward you to the right site anyway. Okay, I am gassed. That's an hour of talking straight, ladies and gentlemen, and I am ready to call it a morning. <laughs> Again, the things happening at Hoopball, Game Time Premium, you know what? I will do. I will do a promo code. I thought about it all show long, and I decided I will give you guys a promo code. Um, hmm. I think about this. You know what? I'm gonna just extend the promo code Doc a little bit longer because the other ones have all expired now that it's November. But Doc, I'm gonna put another two weeks on that bad boy. If you use the promo code Doc, D O C. When you purchase the Game Time Premium product at Hoopball, you get $3.50 off. It's a pretty good code. Uh, that's the one we had when we had uh, Dr. A on the pod about a week and a half ago. So the promo code is DOC. Go get Game Time Premium. If you have any questions about the premium product, you can bug me on Twitter, at Dan Vespers. If you want to get involved and be a journalist here at Hoopball, hit me up, at Dan Vespers. If you want to just work at Hoopball in some other capacity that I haven't mentioned, hit me up, at Dan Vespers. There's a lot of reasons to do so. If you want to just talk shop, that's another good reason to do so. Folks, this has been another fantastic week. Thanks to everybody for listening. Please do rate and review the pod if you've enjoyed what you've been listening to. We appreciate those more than we can express. Have a lovely, lovely weekend. Reverse Chronological Lightning Round Monday coming up on the other side. So long. This has been a Hoop Ball presentation.